Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. Genesis chapter 35. Today I want to talk about a generation passes, the mission advances. Let's go to Genesis 35. I'm going to begin by reading the first 15 verses uh, and then we'll continue with the message. God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried under an oak below Bethel. So he called its name Alan Bakuth. God appeared to Jacob again when he came to Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I give to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. May God bless the reading, the hearing, the understanding, and the obeying of his word today. God tells Jacob to go to Bethel and to dwell there, to make an altar to worship there. If you'll remember, Jacob almost got all the way to where God had told him to go last week. In Genesis 34, we saw in very stark terms how it is that Jacob legitimized his moving back towards God, but not moving all the way to the center of where he knew God was leading him. And this, sometime later, is where God met him. And he tells Jacob to recount two things. Number one, to recount the God who appeared to you and to remember what happened to you there where you are returning. And so Jacob tells his family to prepare for Bethel, to put away your foreign gods and to purify yourself. And he leads his family to follow the Lord as he's reminded of the Lord's 
faithfulness. And so the family gathered all their foreign gods, gave them to Jacob, and there Jacob buried them under a tree before they left. As they journeyed, the scripture says that a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them as they journeyed. What a powerful reminder. You see, before God delivered the Israelites by parting the Red Sea to pass through on dry ground, he held back the surrounding cities from Jacob's family so they could pass through safely. That's no small matter in the day and time in which they lived because that was typical for the band's of people to attack one another and to loot one another. When Jacob reached Bethel, he erected an altar and there he worshiped the Lord, the Lord whom had appeared to him and whom he had remembered what he had done for him. And as Jacob worships in that moment, God appears to him again. He repeats his blessing to him. He changes his name to Israel, which Jacob had already been told about from the angel of God who had appeared to him. He repeats his command to him to be fruitful and multiply. And he renews his covenant by his promise. It's interesting, every time God appears to one of the fathers of our faith, if you will, he repeats his promise and reminds of his covenant. Promise and covenant. Promise and covenant. If we've learned anything in this second portion of Genesis Chapters 12 through 36, we are learning the importance of God's promise to follow it, to heed it in our life, and God's covenant to remember it for our life. And so in that place, it says Jacob set up a pillar, and on that pillar, a a building of remembering, if you will, he made an offering and he named that place El Bethel where God appeared in his house because twice God had appeared to him in this place. Now the remainder of Genesis chapter 35 records for us Jacob's family. And we are starkly reminded yet once again that it's still not all clean, it's still not all pretty. For there is great sadness in their house Rachel will die in childbirth, giving birth to their youngest son, Benjamin. There is continuing sin as Reuben, Jacob's oldest son, born to him first by his first wife, Leah. Reuben, who is a son of a man who learned how to treat women by the way he watched his father treat his mother, which was not admirable at all, takes his mother's concubine and lays with her. Continuing sin in the house. There is deep sorrow. As we see at the end of the chapter, Isaac dies. And Jacob returns and gathers with Esau to bury their father together. But in the midst of this record, friends, we see the emergence of the next generation through which God will fulfill his promise and honor his covenant. God is the one who is carrying his covenant forth through every generation. Genesis chapter 36 records Esau's family, Jacob's brother, and how it is that he too became a nation of people known as the Edomites. How it is that the Edomites developed and how it is that they became 
chiefs, if you will, as the scripture tells, and settled all around the Israelites. It also records God's faithfulness in a different way, you might say, but nonetheless, God's faithfulness to his promise because the promise he made to Ishmael to turn him into a nation as well is fulfilled in the seeing of Esau here who married one of Ishmael's daughters. And so at the end of Genesis 36, we conclude this second part of our Genesis study. What we've looked at as the pursuit or the question of purpose. And as we conclude today, this is what I want you to understand. God guards his salvation by calling people to himself in worship, in obedience, in mission. God is the one who guards his covenant, his salvation, by calling his people to himself in worship, in obedience, and in mission. In this second portion, chapters 12 through 36, that began with the calling of Abraham and have culminated with the life and leadership of Jacob, it began with God's call to one man to leave all and to follow him. And we, we walked with Abram as he became Abraham and as he followed God and he failed God so often. But through all of that, God was faithful to his promise and to his covenant to Abraham. And from Abraham came a miraculous fulfillment of God's promise in the birth of Isaac when he was 100 years old and his wife was 90 and then to Isaac and Rebekah were born two brothers, Jacob and Esau. And as with his fathers, we saw Jacob's failures were numerous. But in the midst of all of them, God's faithfulness never wavered. To his promise and to his covenant. Jacob was renamed Israel and it will be by his twelve sons that the nation of Israel will expand in his lifetime and in the lifetime of his sons to become a nation themselves. And the final portion of this Genesis study, chapters 37 through 50, will pick up with one of the youngest of Jacob's son. His name is Joseph. And we will learn this from Joseph, but God. That will be the last echo that we hear from his life. In Genesis 50. You see friends through every generation. One constant has remained. God is faithful to his promise. He fulfills his promise. And he guards his covenant. As he leads his people. And so what I want us to do today. Is to take one final walk with Jacob. I believe it's the most important walk that one could take. I want to summarize this second portion of Genesis that we've walked through, this question of purpose, for just a moment to kind of centralize our thinking for the message today. You know, all of us are familiar with this idea of purpose in life. Every person longs for a sense of purpose and meaning in their life. There's endless sources in the world that promise it to us. Many purport how to find purpose, but only in looking to God can a per person truly know their purpose as it was created for them to know it. 
You see, this whole section of Genesis and this idea of pursuing this question of purpose represents to us a deep soul longing of every person that says, who am I and why am I here? How many times did Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob long to know these two things? And yet in their pursuit, often choosing their own plan, their own way. And reminding us how often we do the same. And yet God is faithful to call back to himself, his people, and to lead them. And as he was faithful to them, so is he faithful to us too. You see, so often we think of purpose incorrectly. Purpose is not a bit of knowledge that we gain. And then because we've gained it, we possess it for the rest of our life. No, friends. So often we search for a feeling or a sense of purpose. When in fact, purpose is only found in a person. Purpose fills our life as we walk in obedience by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ to serve Him. And friends, any sense or feeling of purpose that you have in your life outside of obedience to Jesus Christ and following Him is a false hope that will only lead to the end of destruction even if you only see success in this world. When you lose your sense of purpose, that that sense of divine blessing and leading, do not search for it. What we will learn today, instead of searching for it, we should rather return to the Lord who gives it and seek His face to lead us in it. You see, we search for purpose. God says, return to me. And established in our identity, this question of purpose leads us to listen and to follow the Lord, to bring our life into the full meaning and the full direction that is only found When we walk with Him. And that's what I want us to do today. As we summarize what we've learned from Jacob. Regarding living in purpose as God intended for us. And simply to do so by returning to Him. God is calling each one of us. To return to Him today. For what Jacob knew God was calling him to. For revival. And for renewal of our hearts. See, true purpose is only found in Jesus. And there are three participations that I want us to look at today by which God bestows purpose. Three participations by which God bestows purpose. Participation number one is that God calls us to himself to come and worship. God is calling us to himself to come and worship. Verse 1 of Genesis 35, God calls to Jacob and says, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. What does the word Bethel mean? Beth, house, El, God. House of God. And when he named it El Bethel, it meant God showed up at his house when I was there. And so when he said, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, The call to you and I today is to return to the one who has come to make God's habitation among us, Jesus Christ. And there make an altar 
to the God who appeared to you. You see, friends, renewal begins by Jacob hearing the Lord's call and remembering God's faithfulness. Renewal did not begin because Jacob had some sense of uh, of ritual uh, guilt. Renewal did not begin because there was something in Jacob that said, well, we ought to do this, so why don't we go ahead and get it over with? Renewal began because Jacob heard the Lord's call and remembered the Lord's faithfulness. God is calling Jacob to renewal and to the renewal of his whole life, not just some portioned amount that Jacob had determined, but the whole of his being that God had created for himself. But by stopping short of obeying God as Jacob had done where he was living, what had transpired had only forsaken. You see, Jacob and his family had become comfortable living on the fringe of God's will. Close enough to satisfy that oughtness, but not to fully comply with where God had said to go. Close enough to be familiar with it. To be able to sing the songs. To be able to endure the people. Close enough to understand how not to stick out like a sore thumb when you showed up with everybody else. But not to give themselves fully away to what God had called them to do. And in that place, living closely familiar to where God was calling them. It says they filled their life with many idols. You see, friends, it's slow and steady that we stray, but it is soft and tenderly that Jesus calls to us. You're saying, well, God had knocked me off of my throne or ripped my world upside down, so he must not be wanting to speak to me. Do you really want him to have to do that? Because that's an option if you're his child. But friends, Jacob is recognizing in God's command there is more than just a relocation that's transpiring here. It's not just about picking up the house and moving it. But it's about revival and renewal for him and for his whole family. There was within Jacob a deep sense of understanding that where he was with God was not where God was waiting on him. Was not where God had called him and God was calling him forth. You see, renewal could only begin by repentance. We don't often look at what Jacob did here as an act of repentance, but it absolutely was because what Jacob had done is stopped where he was comfortable not where God had called him, and begun to build the life that he could manage, not the one that God wanted to live through him. And so an act of repentance was to stop your stopping and get to going where God was calling you, not where you were only comfortable to be. He had to stop going his own way and he had to begin to follow the Lord's way. You see, friends, renewal never comes without a price. No, no, the foreign gods and the trinkets and everything they had uh, collected, they were not 
things that were without value in the world's eyes. They were made of metals. They were made of precious metals. They were made of stones. They were made of things that the world would look at and go, that's got a really high value on it. But friends, obeying God always requires faith and sacrifice. And leaving meant that they would have to put away all that had become familiar, all that had begun to make them comfortable, and all, yea, even all, that they had prospered outside of obedience to God. You see, friends, putting away false gods and and leaving is not an inconsequential decision here. Rather, it's a demonstration of sacrificial faith. Because though it came at a high price, it culminated in a far, far greater blessing. In 2005, after Tom Brady won his third Super Bowl, Steve Croft interviewed him and said to him, Tom, which of the rings do you like best? Which is your favorite? Tom Brady responded, I've always said the next one because that's what the world riches tell you. In that same interview, Tom Brady said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? Some say I've reached my goal, my dream. Me, I think, God, there's got to be more than this. This can't be all it's cracked up to be. I've done it. I'm 27. What else is there for me? I wonder how he feels after number seven. You see, not even seven Super Bowl rings. Championships. Not even being the GOAT. This is very difficult for me to use that word with him. But I concede. Those things will not bring purpose and meaning for life. Absent of that all-consuming longing for a Savior. Still there. That's why God called Jacob to come. And to worship, not not in ritual, but in a deep, heart-wrenching, soul-wringing surrender of everything. Everything. Friends, this this is worship. This is not what, what we must only do on rare occasion. If you grew up in a church tradition like I did, revival was what happened twice a year. No, here, friends, this is worship. This this is why we gather. This is the culmination of our gathering. This is the call of God at any given instant. You don't even have to wait till the weekend. But this is the call of God to fulfill His promise and His covenant to us. We bring our whole life. We build an altar because an altar is where things die. And then we climb up on it. Not because we are the worthy sacrifice, but we are the only thing that we have to give. Even deep inside knowing we're not enough, but as Christians understanding the one who climbed on that altar once for all was enough. And so when we give our life, it's not a dead sacrifice, it's a living sacrifice for the one who died for us. By faith has brought life to us. And we lay all things at his feet to confess he is worthy. You see, worship is key, friends. 
For purpose can never be found in stuff. It can never be found in accolades. It can never be found in accomplishments. Only in laying it all down and losing self in the declaration of the only one who is worthy and to say, you are, you are, you are. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who forevermore shall be. That's why the refrain of heaven, the refrain of the presence of God is an everlasting, continual declaration of his worthiness. And with this first participation, I ask of you today, are you listening to the Lord? Are you still looking for other places? You still compiling things that will make where you are a little more comfortable, a little more convenient? You still searching for purpose? Are you ready to find it in the only one who can give it? Will you lay it all down before him today in worship? That's your first participation. The second participation is that God makes us who we are in Jesus Christ to walk by faith and obedience. God makes us who we are in Jesus Christ to walk by faith in obedience. He doesn't make us who we are to make us feel better about who we are. He doesn't make us who we are so that we can accomplish that next thing that's in front of us. He makes us who we are to do what we could not do if we are not that, to walk in obedience to Jesus Christ. Verse 10 tells us, and God said to Jacob, no longer shall your name be called Jacob. You've walked in that long enough. But Israel shall be your name. You see, when Jacob arrived, God appeared and renamed him Israel. This was when his name changed. It had been announced earlier. This is when it transpired. God renamed him to remind Jacob of the new creation that he was remaking in him. And from his work, listen to me, from God's work in Jacob would come his work through Jacob. There is nothing God can do through you until first God has worked in you. That's what we're learning here. Until you surrender your life in worship and you let God remake you, whatever comes out of you or through you will only be of you and not of God. But God from his work in Jacob would come his work through Jacob. And what was it? A nation. A nation. If Jacob had stayed, he would not have known God's transformative work in his life. That's the same reality for you today if you will not be moved. If you will hear and pause, hear and wait, hear and excuse, or hear and neglect, you will not know God's transformative work in your life. But the Lord, listen to me, is faithful to his covenant. He is faithful to to his covenant. He will not stop calling to you. Obedience by faith to the Lord brought Jacob back to where God's work was first in his life. You see, and by, fir- uh, by first, it took him to a place. And places are important. Like, there's sometimes when I go back and revisit places from my past, 
It just stirs my heart, stirs my mind, some of it in ways I don't want to be stirred. But nonetheless, places stir me. When I hear things, sometimes when I smell things, I mean, you know, there are senses we have that remind us. But when God took him back to a place, it wasn't about the place that was first in his life as much as it was the priority of his life. He brought him back to a place to be first in his life. God was Jacob's purpose for life, but Jacob did not know it until he trusted God and where God was leading him to be. And until first, Jacob sought as first God's will by his command. He could not know it. In other words, as Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Until you put God as first of everything, not as one of many things, you cannot know what he holds for you. Until you seek Jesus first in life, not one of but first in all. Purpose will always be fleeting for you. In salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, everybody gets a new name. And it's all the same name. It's beloved. Beloved. It's, it's child of God. It is co-heir with Jesus Christ. And we could go on and on and on in this. God calls us to trust him, to to live for his glory in whom is our life. And, And now we are with him. And of all the other things that we hear in the world and of all the other things, listen, that we remember of ourselves, none compares to the reminder we have of our new true identity in Jesus Christ. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. The Lord remakes and renews us as we honor him with our whole life. And the remaking of our being, the remaking of our identity, friends, it's God's work. We don't have to worry about shaping that identity. We don't have to worry about all the issues of platform to make sure that we look right in front of everybody. We don't have to worry about the, it's going to hurt, are you ready? Filters. And everybody knows you're using. They don't even look like that. I don't even know who that person. Oh, that's, had to look at the name. I know, that's meddling. And as such as it is appropriately applied to your life, I'll let the Spirit of God do that for you. But listen to me, friends. We put too much hope in the kinds of filters that the world wants to put on us. We have more hope in the way that it can make us look than we do in the way that God is remaking us. That's my point here. The most real and true reality about you is is not what you see and not what you remember yourself as, but what God has made you in Jesus Christ. This is critical. This is the reality of our new identity. What God commands us to walk in. And purpose is grounded in that identity every time. Because we try to find ourselves in anything else. But Jesus says we lose ourselves to find ourselves. 
by forsaking that which cannot provide and by dying in the one who is our life. Luke chapter 9, verse 24, immediately follows a verse of Scripture that really is a great definition for following Jesus. Jesus says, if any man would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me, right? So like there's just a working definition from the Lord Jesus' mouth of what it means to be a Christian. The very next verse says this, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Why? Because God is faithful to his promise and to his covenant. And so I ask you, are you listening to God's word? Are you obeying his command by the Holy Spirit Christian to walk by faith and obedience to him let me ask it another way is there any area any manner any level or any extent of disobedience in your life that you are cognizantly aware of and yet just simply kindly refusing will you repent The third participation is this. God commands so we can serve his mission to make his name known on the earth. Verses 11 and 12 tell us, And God said to Jacob, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Friend, God chose a man through whom he would found a nation of people. And through this nation, he would bring his Messiah. God tells Jacob, I am God. I will do my work. You trust me and you do my command. Be fruitful and multiply. Doesn't seem that hard, does it? God makes clear he is the one that is working by calling his people to trust and to obey and to serve his Mission. Friends, God's past faithfulness is not for you to continue to live in, but to provide an anchor for future faith as He leads you forth to serve Him. Life with God will not be without struggle, it will not be a life without pain and heartache. It will not be a life without death, without loss, without deep grief. It will not be a life that is absent of trauma. It will not be a life that is absent of broken relationships. It will not be a life that is absent of suffering. Have you even stopped to consider in the last 10 months that 2020 may not be the worst year of your life? Nobody's blaming you if you haven't. But it's a strong possibility. But you will never find a year, you will never find a season that is so bad, that is so broken, that God cannot and will not bring good to you through it. So, where are you going to search? Nothing will ever prove more than God's sufficiency in Jesus. Therefore, we must look to him. We must trust to obey and serve his mission through it all. We must pay closer attention to what we've heard from God in Jesus Christ. So that as Hebrews 2.1 says, we do not neglect our great salvation and drift away. 
We must return to the only one who is and who brings good to us. Jesus Christ. Romans 8 and 28. God's promise to us. How faithful is God to his promise? We've already talked about that. What you know or what you come to know of God from past faithfulness to you is not just about that moment for you. God draws us to Him. And He does that through Jesus Christ and the gospel. And He remakes us and He renews us. Whether, whether you're here today and you've never come to a point in your life to repent of your sin and to receive Christ and His atoning work for your life to forgive you and to cleanse you from your sin or whether you're here today and, and you are walking with God as a Christian but there are ways in which God is calling you back whether He's remaking you today or renewing the remaking of you. He's calling us to trust and to obey so we can serve Him. And there, there is so much, friends, about the last year that, quite frankly, I don't understand. Not just about the chronology of it and the events are taking place of it. There are things from the last year that have caused me to ask questions of God that I do not yet understand. But in the midst of it all, this one thing I know, He is good. And he will bring good to me through it. And outside of him is no good that is good for me. Nor for you. Life only loses purpose when we cease looking at Jesus and living to serve ourselves. Why? Because God is the one who is guarding his salvation by calling his people to himself in worship, in obedience, and in mission. You see, friends, where you meet God and what he reveals to you always begins with salvation. And that's what I ask you today. Have you come to the place where God has saved you? Where he's made you new, forgiven you of sin, and cleansed you from it? If not, God's calling to you today. Put your faith in Jesus, repent of your sins, and receive eternal life. In two weeks, on Sunday, February the 28th, we'll have a baptism celebration Sunday. I want to invite you to respond to the Lord. Take that step of faith and join us in that celebration. Christian, God is calling you too. It may be from the fringe of His will where you've made life comfortable, convenient, and management. Or he may be calling to you today within that shadow of doubt where hurt and disappointment has caused you just to begin to drift and to stray from him. And today God is saying, put away what has kept you at a distance and move to the center where I'm calling you to renew you in heart, in mind, and life. The invitation for you today is will you put away the false idols Will you put away the false hopes? Will you put away the things that you've built into your life, even in this short season, to make you more comfortable, to help you get through? And will you return to Jesus in complete surrender today? I tell you, the Lord's calling even our church. And I don't have time to get into it, but I tell you, He is working in powerful ways. But it will all start when we put away 
the things that have distracted us and deterred us as we've strayed. And we begin to set before us the one who's calling us to himself. Let's pray.